Good morning. And welcome to worship today. Uh, happy Easter. Uh, we're, we're still celebrating Easter. We had our big Easter Sunday last week, but as I'm sure many of you know, we celebrate the season of Easter for 50 days, a week of weeks, so seven Sundays of the Easter season. So today is the second Sunday of Easter. Just a couple of brief announcements before we begin. Um, first of all, thank you to everyone who uh, purchased an Easter lily for this year's uh, Easter garden up front. If you uh, did that, you can leave them here for a, a little while uh, to decorate the front of the church, but you're also welcome to take them home um, at any time uh, and enjoy them at your house as well. So, so please, uh, if you purchase one, uh, take one home when you have a chance. Uh, we're keeping in our prayers and keeping in contact with our global missionary, Carolyn Schneider, and she sent us a new update from Jamaica, and I just wanted to point out that her copies of her newsletter are in the back of the church, and I invite you to, uh, to take a look at that. Are there any other announcements that we should make today? See, a few of you have grabbed butterflies, which is great. You're welcome to grab a butterfly if you'd like to wave that during the Alleluia's today. I think they're, they're still in the back of the church if you want to grab one. If there are other announcements, we'll begin our service with our prelude music, giving us a chance to center ourselves for worship. Please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. <clears throat> Alleluia! Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. 
In the waters of baptism, we have passed over from death to life with Jesus Christ, and we are a new creation. For this saving mystery and for this water, let us bless God who was, who is, and who is to come. We thank you, God, for your river of life flowing freely from your throne through the earth, through the city, through every living thing. You rescued Noah and his family from the flood. You opened wide the sea for the Israelites. Now in these waters you flood us with mercy, and our sin is drowned forever. You open the gate of righteousness, and we pass safely through. In Jesus Christ, you calm and trouble the waters. You nourish us and enclose us in safety. You call us forth and send us out. In lush and barren places, you are with us. You have become our salvation. Now breathe upon this water and awaken your church once more. Claim us again as your beloved and holy people. Quench our thirst, cleanse our hearts, wipe away every tear. To you, our beginning and our end, our shepherd and lamb, be honor, glory, praise, and thanksgiving now and forever.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. God, our strength and our song, the messages of our world drive us to hide in fear. But you, the Alpha and the Omega, have stood with us from the beginning, stand with us now, and will remain with us to the end. You, O God, are our faithful witness and guide. Where there is hurt, you proclaim forgiveness. Where there is doubt, you sow belief. Where there is fear, you cultivate peace. Break down the barriers we build so that our lives may be a sign of your love, grace, and mercy to all those we encounter.
The first reading is from Acts, chapter 5. When they had brought the apostles, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
The second reading is from Revelation 1. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, pre-serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Word of God. Word of life. Thanks be to God.
The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace and peace be with you, friends, from the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Amen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe, our gospel text says. In a way, John, the gospel writer, is talking about us this morning. We were not in that locked room with the disciples when Jesus appeared with them and gave them the Spirit. And we weren't even with Thomas, who after the fact uh, encountered Jesus, who missed him the first time. We weren't there when Thomas reached out his hand to touch the skin, to touch the wounds of his friend, of his Lord. We are those who have not seen. 
I think this happens every year for us. We reach the joy and celebration of Easter like a great crescendo, and it seems like such a nice story. We sing our songs of victory over death. We confidently say Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. But perhaps in the moment that follows, I wonder if some of us steal a glance around the room. Do I really believe this? Am I the only one here who has some follow-up questions? If this is you, you are not alone. I've yet to meet someone who is so confident, who believes and under, who would dare to say they believe and understand the resurrection 100%, 100% of the time. And if someone were to say that, I might wonder if that were true. I'd be curious and want to talk to them. Some of us are so anxious about any inkling of doubt that we stuff it down lest it get out and get out of control. But I've heard it said that the opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. One way we might think about fundamentalism in our world is that it's a belief system that represses all doubt out of fear and anxiety. Fundamentalism presents as a confident certainty, but perhaps at its root there is a deep uncertainty, a fear that anything that doubts or challenges the belief system, whether inside or outside, is a threat that must be squashed. Perhaps we can have some compassion for those caught in this anxiety, because I think it is a human anxiety. It was Frederick Beekner who said, Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. <laughs> they keep it awake and moving. Perhaps this is why we often turn to the story of Thomas the Sunday after Easter. It speaks to the very real doubts in the room, the ones we carry around with us the rest of the time of the year. After all, even the first witnesses... Even those who were closest to Jesus weren't sure what to make of it at first either. They weren't sure they believed it at first as well. You'd think that the people who knew Jesus the best would be the most likely to believe it. These were people who had the most direct experience of Jesus. The people who saw him walk around, heal, and teach. In John's Gospels, these followers, the ones we read about today, are the same ones who saw Jesus go to the grave of Lazarus and said to the dead man, come out. So you'd think they would be primed to believe in the resurrection. But according to the scriptures, even these people, whom I would say have an advantage over us, they were there, they didn't know what to make of the empty tomb either. When Mary Magdalene first encounters the empty tomb, John says she sat outside weeping until someone that she thought was the gardener approached her. The other disciples, even after seeing the empty tomb themselves and even after Mary Magdalene told them, I have seen the Lord, are so unsure about this news that they don't go out and tell everyone. They go back to where they were before and they lock themselves in a room out of fear. And even after Jesus appears to that group behind these locked doors... Thomas will not believe it, even when some of his closest friends say to him, we have seen the Lord. So if you're out there in the pew today, 
with some doubts, know that you are in some good company. Even those who knew Jesus the best, who encountered him in the flesh, who had seen him call a dead man out of the grave, who had seen the empty tomb with their own eyes, did not believe at first. After all, if someone in our community were to die, and then a few days later, perhaps on a Sunday morning, one of their friends were to wander into the back of our worship service and say, I went to the funeral home, they are not there, I have seen them, they are alive, we would probably be offended, scandalized. We'd be concerned about that individual. And yet you might think that this group here would be some of the most likely people to believe in such a scenario. In a few moments after the sermon, after the hymn of the day, we will confess the Nicene Creed, an ancient creed of the church, and in it we will say, we look for the resurrection of the dead. But do we? I don't know. Maybe we look for it, but like Thomas, we're not sure we believe it until we saw it until we touch the living flesh of our loved one. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe, the text says. Perhaps it helps to think about belief in a slightly different way. According to the commentator René Such Schreiner, the Greek root, Greek root of the English word believe is pist, or pistis in the verb form. While overwhelmingly rendered as faith for the noun in the Bible and believe for the verb in most English translations, the range of its meaning include the concept of trust. John employs the verb rather than the noun here, and the nuances of the Greek verb range from trusting in someone, relying on something or someone, or it's believing that something is true. So from trusting to belief. The English verb, she says, uh, to believe, has a predominantly cognitive emphasis. Our brain either assents to that belief or it doesn't. Trust, on the other hand, is more relational and exists on a spectrum, often encompassing the feelings that influence our thoughts and actions, and so hence we often associate believing with our heads and trusting with our hearts. So what Schreiner is trying to say here is what if we take John 20, the gospel text for today, and instead of thinking about it being a head issue, we think about it being a heart issue. Replace the word with belief, which we have so many associations with, with trust. If that were the case, Jesus' words to Thomas would be, do not be distrusting, but trusting. Are you trusting because you have seen me? Blessed, the, blessed are those who have not seen yet have come to trust. And at the end of the text, the purpose of the gospel was written so that you may come to trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through trusting, you may have life in his name. This is helpful, at least for me, because it raises the question, what kind of knowing are we engaged in when we believe in Jesus? It suggests that perhaps Christian belief or trust is not as much like a lab experiment or a journalistic investigation, and more like the trust grown between friends, between spouses, between children and their parents. Belief in Jesus doesn't preclude these other kinds of knowing, 
But I think at its heart, this belief is actually more like trust. It's more like a relationship of trust that reveals truth to us over time. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to trust in Jesus. And how does that trust grow? Over time, we've experienced this in our own relationships. We experience it with someone who shows up for us when we're in need. We experience it as children when our parents provide for us, protect us, and teach us. We experience it with spouses and friends when they accompany us through the peaks and valleys of life. And so when I think about those first witnesses of the resurrection and how they started to tell the people around them, saying, I have seen the Lord, we have seen the Lord. In so many ways, the reason we are here right now is that that message, that experience has been passed down in trusting relationship to trusting relationship in community. We celebrated Easter last week, but I think the rubber really hits the road this week when we gather again in community and say, how can we be a community of trust People who say to one another, we have encountered Christ, we have seen the Lord, I will be the presence of Christ in your life if you be the presence of Christ in my life. We are the body of Christ. We have seen the Lord in the face of each other. We've seen the face of the Lord in the face of the stranger. We have encountered the Lord at the Lord's Supper. We have seen the Lord. And we can only believe that, I think, in a relationship, in a community of trust. During the Lenten season, we had people tell stories. We did these interview sermons. And one of the questions that I asked people each week was, was there someone in your life who made a positive impact on your faith? And part of the reason that I shared that or asked that question week after week is because I think that the trust we have in Jesus comes in trusting relationships with one another. That someone in our life says, I trust Jesus I want to invite you into that relationship too. That faith is caught from the community around us as much as it is taught. That we are taught to trust in a relationship, in a community of trust and love. We may not have been in that room with Thomas, but the witness is passed down to us. We may not have been in that room, but here we are in the presence of Christian community called the body of Christ. We may not have been in that room, but here we are offered the bread and wine that bear his presence. Glimpses and encounters with Christ are offered to us, coaxing us into trusting relationships with each other and with God. The community of faith are those people who over time have said, you know, this story happened so long ago, but I continue to experience the living presence of Jesus here and now in ways that I do not even understand. We may not have been in that room with Thomas, but we encounter that same Christ and long to see him fully. Our trust opens up new possibilities, new visions, new ways of seeing the world. We look for the resurrection of the dead, as the Creed says, not because our belief is perfect in a cognitive sense, but because we long to be in that kind of relationship with Jesus and his whole company of friends. When Thomas finally does trust Jesus, he doesn't say in a cognitive way, yes, I've now verified that you are alive, now I can check that box and I can go and tell others. He confesses the relationship, my Lord and my God. 
And so if you have uh, the ants in the pants experience of doubt today, making our faith alive and moving, bring those doubts to Jesus, and may we confess with our ancestor, my Lord and my God. Amen.
confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Set free from captivity to sin and death, we pray to the God of resurrection for the church, people in need, and all of creation. Holy One, who acts righteously, equip your church as witnesses of your goodness to go and tell others of your abundant love, that they may believe that Jesus is our salvation and life. God, in your mercy. Renew your people's commitment to use resources responsibly and to live well with your creation. Invite us to recognize and nurture signs of resurrection, life, and natural world. God, in your mercy. Direct those who are given human authority to lead with humanity and compassion. By your Holy Spirit, channel their attention towards serving those who are most in need. God, in your mercy. Uphold your children who cry out to you, especially Gary, Jackie, Randy, Leticia, Denia, Rick, Lynn, Kristen, and those we name now, aloud or silently. Wherever people are overcome by fear of death, breathe into them your life and peace. God, in your mercy, give this community of faith a sense of joy and wonder in exploring new avenues of faith formation, worship, and discipleship. God, in your mercy, Give us the words of your saints who, like Thomas, boldly confessed your Son as Lord and God. 
with Jesus our leader, empower us to live according to his ways. God, in your mercy. Into your mercy, O God, respond to these prayers and renew us by your life-giving Spirit, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you.
Please stand. Let us pray. Living God, you gather the wolf and the lamb to feed together in your peaceable reign, and you welcome us all at your table. Reach out to us through the me this meal and show us your wounded and risen body that we may be nourished and believe in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, for the glorious resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb who gave himself to take away our sin who in dying has destroyed death and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal. You we praise and glorify. You we worship and adore. You formed the earth from chaos. You encircled the globe with air. You created fire for warmth and light. You nourished the lands with water. You molded us in your image and with mercy higher than the mountains, with grace deeper than the seas, you blessed the Israelites and cherished them as your own that also we, estranged and dying, might be adopted to live in your spirit. You called us through the life and death of Jesus. We remember on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, it's my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is new covenant in my blood. 
shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Together as the body of Christ, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. With this bread and cup, we remember your Son, the firstborn of your new creation. We remember his life lived for others and his death and resurrection, which renews the face of the earth. We await his coming when with the world made perfect through your wisdom, all our sins and sorrows will be no more. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy God, holy and merciful one, holy and compassionate, send upon us in this meal your Holy Spirit, whose breath revives us for life, whose fire rouses us to love. Enfold in your arms all who share this holy food. Nurture in us the fruits of the Spirit, that we may be a living tree, sharing your bounty with all the world. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy and benevolent God, receive our praise and petitions as Jesus received the cry of the needy, and fill us with your blessing until, needy no longer and bound to you in love, we feast forever in the triumph of the Lamb, to whom all glory and honor is yours, O God, O living one, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Gathered together by the Holy Spirit, we pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated as we share some instructions for communion. To commune today, you'll go to the side aisles and you'll come forward. We're at the front of the side aisles. There are two tables where there are trays with empty cups in them. You'll grab an empty cup and you'll bring it with you to the railing where it will be filled with wine and where you'll receive bread. If you desire or need grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them on your way and bring them to the railing as well. After you've communed at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and you'll place your empty cup in this bowl by the center aisle. All friends, guests, and visitors are welcome to commune with us today. This is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table. And the invitation comes from Christ. The risen Christ dwells with us here. All who are hungry, all who are thirsty, come.
Please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, generous God, for in this bread and cup we have tasted the new heaven and earth where hunger and thirst are no more. Send us from this table as witnesses to the resurrection that through our lives all may know life in Jesus' name. God, the author of life, Christ, the living cornerstone, and the life-giving spirit of adoption, bless you now and forever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Go in peace. Tell what God has done.